Good to be with you here at Kingsway. Is it is it warm in here? Do we need to open some windows? Spring is here. This is awesome. What an inappropriate time to wear a full sweater like this. <laughs> I guess summer finally arrived. But anyway, it's great to be here uh, back again. Um, uh, Mark uh, spoke a couple weeks ago to me and asked me to come because he, he, he uh, uh, discerned that they were going to have an act of God. No, I'm just kidding. I told, uh, I told Mark I was going to preach on Noah and the ark and the flood and all that, and he wasn't laughing. I just, it's, it's kind of mean to, to tease him. You know, he's got a lot going on there. But I, I'm glad to be here. He had asked a few weeks ago to come and, and just speak this Sunday because I had a wedding and lots of great stuff going on this weekend. So um, pleasure to be with you. It was great uh, being here last night. I finally got my spear back. I didn't know it was here. Like, here, here it is resting at church for like a month because he went to the Philippines. I came back. I was like, who threw, who, you know, who stole my spear? I thought my wife threw it out, you know, sharp and pointy, going to hurt somebody. I thought Melanie threw it out somewhere. But, you know, I finally got it back last night. They're like, your spear has been in church, you know. So I had my spear here for like a month. Could have used it a couple weeks ago. Spencer and I went hiking up the Bruce Trail, and we slept in a cave. And I was like, because he wanted to. Because he's like, we got to sleep in a cave. I'm like, all right, you know. Halfway through now, I'm like, what happens if the inhabitant comes home, you know? I really wanted my spear that was here in church. Didn't do any good in church. Like leaving your Bible in church. Don't leave your Bible tucked under your chair here. It's no good being here. You need it on the front line kind of thing. But no bear came and ate us overnight. But I really, I would have slept better with that. Just... Um, Mark has been talking, we were here a couple weeks ago, Sierra and I were visiting, and he's been talking on a series on identity, and I love that. I think that's fantastic, because um, it is so important when, when, when we discover who we are, when we discover what we are made to be, it's like being found again. How many of you guys have ever been lost before? Okay. All women, but two guys. <laughs> I forgot. Guys never admit that they're lost. We're finding a different way, Right? Anyway, if you've ever been lost before, whether it's lost, separated from your parents, and they call, you know, Jamie Schur, you know, Mrs. Schur, please find your child again in aisle 13, you know. Uh, If you've ever been lost driving or lost in the woods or whatever, that feeling of being found again, you know, and that that overwhelming, like, oh, you know, just that rush of emotion where you're like, I'm found again. You know, and that's the same thing that, 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 that what Pastor Mark is trying to, to teach in us to understand about identity. When you find when you find who you are, it's that same feeling. It's that same emotion that comes in saying, finally, somebody's told me who I am, why I'm here, what I'm created for, and, and that identity is so important. That identity, and I, I'm glad Mark wasn't talking about uh, image, that we just this self-projected, you know? Image is what you project, what you want other people to believe about you. You know what I mean? You wanna, I want to project this image, and so this is what I construct, this, this paper mache world around me that people will hopefully believe that I don't even believe myself. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about who you really are in Christ. Amen? Christ in you. You guys just been talking about that, that, that being found, and I love that because I think if there was anything that was a game changer, it was understanding that. When I understood that in church and Christian life, when I understood, you know, who I was in Christ, that was a distinct game changer for me, absolutely being, being found and knowing my identity and purpose. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with that a little bit today, uh, if we can, and kind of hit it from a different angle, because the Apostle Paul was like, this is so imper- important, the church has got to get this. So he circles around a couple different ways about it, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I, I'm kind of hit it from a different direction today, if we can. Um, you know that um, 
probably one of the uh, most often quoted uh, verses that we have uh, in church around us is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so that is an exciting verse. How many are excited about that? You know, like that was just, when you see that, you're saying, oh, the old is gone. When I accept Christ and I step into that new relationship, the old is gone and the new has come. And we're like, woo, that is good news. And we step into that. My question is, what happens the next morning? And we're like, we get up, we look in the mirror. <sighs> you look in the mirror. And you get up the next day and you look in the mirror. And then about a week later, you look in the mirror and you dig the little crouton out. And you know, you're, you're like, but... And then a month, and then a few weeks, and then, you know, and sometimes years go by, and you're like, well, that was good, and I know that I'm saved. I know that I know Jesus as my Savior, but to be honest, I'm still the same. I mean, like a slightly nicer version. I swear a little bit less or whatever, like people, you know, I dress a little nicer or something like that. But I mean, really, what's changed? What is that new creation? What is that transformation that the Bible is talking about? It's not meant to be elusive. It's not meant that this transformation is when you die and here you struggle through life until you go and then you're transformed in glory. It's talking about a transformation that happens in our life right now. So my question to you this morning is, is how does that happen? How do I become this new identity, what Mark has been talking about? How do I become the new creation God has planned for me to be? Does it happen by accident? Well, I just wake up one morning and I just wake up, wake up and I'm like, whoa. There's a halo. Yes, I've always wanted one of these. Straighten it up a little bit. Are you just going to wake up glorious? Are you going to wake up holy? Are you going to wake up, you know, just that, that person that you wanted to be? Or will it just happen over time? If I just put in enough time, if I put enough stars on the attendance, you know, if I just hit every Saturday, every Sunday, every small group, if I put in enough time, will it just happen? I want to challenge your thinking. If you've been walking this out, whether a short time or sometimes years of their lives, I've found and talked to people that I'm walking this out for years that are honestly, as you talk, saying, I'm a little frustrated. I believe what I believe, but I don't see change and transformation here. And that's what I want to talk about today. How does this transformation take place in our lives right now? How do we become that new creation? Not at a, uh, a future date that we may or may not, you know, it's like distant sign. Down the road, we'll hit that place. No, I'm talking about right now. How are we transformed today? Is that possible? Is this too much, too fast, or should I just introduce a little? I should start with like a joke or a story, right? I feel like I just jumped in a little. People were like, oh, you, need to, you had too many coffees this morning. Let me just slow it down for a second. Is, is that too much? Is that, is that too much to expect that transformation would actually take place today? Can we expect transformation to take place in your life and mine before we leave this place? Tomorrow morning, can transformation take place? Can we become actually what God called us to do? Because sometimes we read our Bible, sometimes we look and we're, we're like, we get excited, but sometimes we're reading and we're going, that sounds amazing, but I don't think so. Come on, I'm just being honest, because I mean, this is church, we should be honest, right? Sometimes we, you know, regardless of how we project around, sometimes we look in the mirror and we're like, I, I read all of that and what's expected and, and what's anticipated, but I'm, I don't think so. God doesn't know how, what I've been through, what I've experienced, and who I am or I'm not. Well, I want to challenge you with a message today that's only three words. And so I, had a, I have to give a disclaimer. So, you know, like at the beginning of a movie, there's like a warning. Kind of Here's the disclaimer. I've been praying for you that these three words will stick in your mind like a sliver in your mind. 
that it'll be all week long, that tomorrow morning, that, that, you know, as you're driving, as you're doing the dishes, as you're doing going about your daily life, that these three words will stick in you like it has been sticking in me. That it keeps coming back again and again, and you work it through and you wrestle it through. Because uh, after Mark had talked to me about this, is I began to pray and study a little bit on, on where I was going to go and see what he had already, the ground he had covered. And uh, these words started to stick in my head that I want to share with you. So if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 4. They'll put it up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to read it yourself. Galatians chapter 4. Is it three? I got like four written down here. I messed this up last night too. You got, or, or if you can't read, you can read it here. Melanie made fun of me for my large print Bible. You know you're getting old when you buy a large print Bible or you get longer. God, make my arms longer. <laughs> Let me get bigger wording here. Oh, I never saw this day coming. <laughs> I was like, do I need to show ID to buy a large print Bible? You know, like senior discount? <laughs> Sorry, that was my inside voice. Galatians chapter 3. Let's read this. I want to I present these three words and I want to let them sit. I want you to think about them. All week long. Here's, here's what I want to share. Let's start reading at verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. All have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Put on Christ. Those three words have been simmering like a crock pot inside of me for like two weeks. And I've had a lot of time to think about it because I was, I was sent Mark a few texts text and pictures because, I mean, years ago when we were sort of bivocational in ministry is we started driving truck together. He started driving, I started. And so the last couple weeks I've been driving truck and you get a lot of time to think. And all the time is that's put on Christ. What does that mean? Is I've been driving all over Ontario, got lost in Petawawa. How many of you know where Petawawa is? You do? Oh, you guys are so smart, you know? I thought I'd go up there with my cell phone, and I didn't come prepared. I was like, I don't need a GPS. I just look at my map. <laughs> There's no cell phone reception up in Padawawa. So needless to say, I've done hydro, you know, a lot of work of clearing the low branches on all the small roads up around Padawawa with my rental tractor trailer. So I did eventually find it. But I had a lot of time over the last, you know, week or two to just think about this. And you know what? I would wake up in the morning and I would just, that would be the first thought in my head. I was like, what does it mean for me to put on Christ? Because, again, it's, it's when you say that word and when I say that, it's sort of like that. Uh, okay, you guys say it. Say, put on Christ. Okay, now, now do it in sort of like your church voice. You can put it in like, put on Christ. You know, it's like church lady kind of thing. You know, we've just... Put on Christ. You know, you got to put a little accent to it. There's a little fragrance. There's just something spiritual, like an incense kind of thing about it. People are like, no, just, oh, brother, just put on Christ. It sounds like one of the things you say on church. You walk away and go, I don't know what that means at all. Isn't it? Come on, guys. I mean, just, I'm just being super real here today. Is that sometimes we say this and we have this, but what does that mean? And why I was wrestling with it, because I was like, how have I been walking out this long? And I was like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I, I think I sort of get it. But, and I started asking people what it means and just interviewing. And, and I, don't, I just didn't get an achievable, you know, a, a satisfiable answer. What does it mean to put on Christ? Well, it means, you know, you, it's sort of, you know, you, you do this positionally. And, you know, it's like, a, it's like an enchantment. You know, there's like, what, is there like a magic wand? You put on Christ and everything in your life gets better. You put on Christ and all of a sudden you're, you just become the person here. 
what does this really mean? And I want to I talk about this, and I want, you to, I want you to dig into this. Because you know what, I'm going to explain it from the Word of God, but the, the reality is it's going to look different for every one of us, what this means to, to put on Christ, to walk this out in our life. And so the, I, I, wanna, I was trying to come up with an example to try and... Because I'm, I'm a visual learner. And so that's why, I mean, I see... You can, you can explain the theory of, you know, you know how a four-stroke engine works, but just, just tear it apart and show me how it works. You know, so I got to see it kind of to really understand it. And so I was working at how do I explain what this means to put on Christ? Because again, it sounds like one of those churchy things. Brother, I just want you to put on Christ today. And you're like, that's great. I don't know what he's talking about. Right? Like, it's one of those things, you go home, it's like a, is it like axe? Teen shower in a can? <laughs> None of the teens are here, and they're all denying that they're wearing axe. Boys, I mean, not the girls. But what does it really mean? And so here's what I want to, I want to try, try and illustrate it this way. And so I need to, I got to do a little wardrobe change for a second. Hopefully I don't rip my microphone off. All right. So stay with me. So what does it mean to put on Christ? Well, part of the example that it really spoke to me is, let me get the whole thing here. Got to get it. It leaves like a line in your head, but you got to wear it anyway. So... (laughs) Mark did tease me last time in Beth that I preached in a T-shirt, so I thought he'd up it a little bit, Beth, because, you know, they're harassing me about just coming to church in a T-shirt, so. So why did I put this on here today? Well, you know what? The thing that spoke to me is when I got this, and again, it's just material and plastic buttons, but it meant something. Eight years ago, when this was issued to me, that there was actually something expected of me when I put it on. And it really became clear when I joined a, uh, an international search and rescue group. And the commander spent an inordinate amount of time going over uniform standard. And I was like, okay, I don't need to, like, march. What are we going to show me how to save people? Let's, you know, let's, let's rope down into ravines and stuff like that. But he spent a lot of time. And I got into trouble for having, like, a stubble. I had, like, you know, the... You can't come in here looking like George Michaels, he said, you know, and he would spend amount of time because here's what happens is when he says, when you put this on, you no longer are yourself. You, it isn't about you anymore. You put on and represent us. That there is a code of conduct that is expected. There's an expectation that you will live differently, walk differently, behave differently because of what you represent when you're wearing this. And then that applies to any of the police, fire, EMS, military, any of the branches of service that that have a uniform code. And when you put that on, they say there is an expected code of conduct that you must honor and adhere to. That you can't just be yourself. You can't. He, and he would uh, rant on uh, about, uh, about hygiene, about how that you would walk. How would you behave? He says, I never want to see any of you smoking, swearing, acting inappropriately in public. Because you don't represent yourself. You represent us. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me. That stayed with me. And when you look at the, the, the uniform standard of many of these branches of service, they all use similar wording to go with this. They use wording like honor, courage, and integrity. 
that when you wear this, you will act honorable, that you will live courageously, that you will be a man or woman of integrity. And I thought as I read that, and I just, you know, the, 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 just, it just, the light started coming on inside of me. I was like, this is how we should live. This is how we should be. And I remember several years ago is going up to a, uh, a, a memorial service up, I think it was Listowell area, and uh, it was two volunteer firefighters who were killed in the line of duty. And so people came. It was a high publicity event. The premier was there, and, and a bunch of us firefighters from Selkirk carpooled and went up, and we had to park so far out of town, you know, the little area where the church was. And so we were like blocks away. And as we were walking, all it was was a sea of blue. Like there were thousands of firefighters that showed up to show support of that. And that was how I was walking, that everybody from the back, as they were converging in this one place, looked the same. And I thought to myself, again, the light came on. I was like, shouldn't this be like the church? That isn't about my individuality and about my esteem and my ambitions and my desire, my style of music and my colors and that. I lay that down and I become Christ. That it should be is that they should look out and we put on Christ should be they should see Christ, not Jamie. They should look out and see Christ, not Lindsay. They should look out and see, you know, that there should be, a, a, you know, not just in us that we, I'm not saying that Kingsway should start wearing uniforms. All right, everybody's going to wear the same clothes and look the same. It's not about that in outward. Actually, it's all about inside. The outward is just a reminder. When I wear this as a reminder that inwardly I need, I'm expected, I am obligated to live, to walk differently. And I mean, I, I never felt so proud on that day to sit in that service and the overflow with thousands of a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a people. And it challenged me as I start, started to think about this, what it means for us to put on Christ is this. When we put on Christ, what does it mean to put on Christ? What does it mean that we're garmented with Christ's character, with Jesus' character, his disposition? his attitude, his habits, his virtues. What does it mean when we put on Christ? When we put on Christ is similar in a way. I mean, this example only goes so far, but when we put this on, we are living up to that standard. We are stepping up to that. We are stepping up to what he has called us to be, actually what we were created for. Can I go so far as to say that? Is when we put on Christ and we walk in what he has called us to be, it's actually what you were made for. I wasn't made to destroy my life in a world of drugs and partying. I wasn't made for rehab. I wasn't made to, to wreck my life in, 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 in reckless relationships, you know. Is that, that is a terrible abuse of the life and purpose and the breath that God has given to me. But when I put on Christ and live according to his standard, his code of conduct, you know when something happens? See, what I'm not talking about is I didn't just open up the dress-up box. You know, Beppa's got a dress-up box, and the kids come, and they've got costumes from all over. This isn't a go-to-costume dress-up about being something you're not. Because what happens is when you put on Christ, when you step into it and start acting that way in a regular way, it's like training. Why do we train and train and train? And sometimes the repetition of training drives you crazy. You're like, we got to do this again? Because what happens is in the moment of crisis, in the moment of, of urgency, at a critical moment, you want to defer to your training. You don't want to stop and think, right, Matt? You don't want to stop and be like, oh, 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 what do we do? It's like, no, you're victim care. You set up this. You grab the fire. You move. Remember your training. Remember your training. Everybody move. 
And you fall into it because you've trained it and you stepped into it. And so what I'm talking about is that not that outwardly we would look and talk in the same type of culture and use this Christian language, but inside as we walk in this, that it would become part of us. That as you walk in honor and integrity, at first you may feel like that sort of out of body, you know, like, well, this is different from me. This is different. The Friday night me is different from the Sunday morning me. But as we start walking in it, that Christ becomes part of us. And so I want to really talk about what it means to put on Christ. Because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is this, is that on a Sunday morning or Saturday night here, we'd come in and they play uh, an amazing worship and we step into the presence of God and they preach a, you know, a, a powerful and inspirational word and we feel and we put this on. And then afterwards, I notice, you know, right by the, right by the door, there's a little cloakroom there, there's a little closet. So we stop by the little cloakroom on the way out and we're like, okay, whew, that was good. you, Jesus. I got this. I mean, I got it. That's my life. You know, my time, my friends, my space, my money. You know, I got this part here. And the next Sunday, we come and we put on Christ again. We put that on. We're like, everybody's like, how are you doing? Oh, glorious brother, sister. I'm doing wonderful, powerful, overcoming. And inside, you're dying inside, but you just can't, you know. I know this isn't this church. But that kind of false thing happens because we were never meant to take it off. It never, it, there's no verse in the Bible there. It talks in Romans again about putting on Christ, and it talks about the, but there's no verse, there's no thing where it says to take off Christ at the door. You don't take it off. It never, there's nothing that says you take it off, but we do. I do. I just inadvertently, unconscious, I said it there, and I'm like, okay, crisis is over. I got this now. Jesus, I got the wheel. You slide over now. You're the co-pilot. You know, it says, Jesus is my co-pilot. <laughs> I'm a terrible driver of my life, I mean. He needs to, I need to put on Christ and remain in that way. So what does that mean? What does it mean to put on Christ? So three things, very simply. What does it mean to, how do we do this? Because again, I just want to lay this out there and be like, okay, that's great, but mm, it's up there in the, in the you know, uh, in this ethereal space somewhere, but what does it mean to put on Christ? So first of all, what it means to put on Christ is I have to die to myself. Galatians 2.20. Turn there in your Bible. Because it's the only way it works. Otherwise, you are putting on a costume. If we don't walk out these three things, if we don't do it this way, then yes, we are actually actors and actresses in a place called church and in life. But if we do it this way, then it's actually real and comes alive. So first of all is that uh, Galatians 3.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The only way this, how do we put on Christ is that every day I die to myself. That means I lay down my dreams, my ambitions, my purposes, my wants, my, you know, my, 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 my preferences. I lay that down, and I put on Christ. I lay that down and say, well, what about my space and my time? And my, you ever hear, it starts to sound like an argument at home, doesn't it? Whenever you hear that, you're, there's a lot of me in that. It only works if Jamie dies. It only works if I lay down, and it's an intentional, it's a choice thing. I have to choose to let myself go. I have to choose to say, Jamie needs to just, that's the old man. 
Jamie needs to die, and I want Christ to live in me. I want Christ, I want people to see Christ in me, not me. Because if we did it ourselves, then it's like the Harvey Brooker weight loss, you know, slogan. If you could have done it yourself, you would have done it already. Come on. It's not about us just fixing. It's not, this isn't a self-help kind of thing. You know, just you're going to work on yourself and you're going you're gonna to become better. Starting to sound like a motivational thing. I'm going to start ra- throwing raisins out and, you know, like flashing lights here. This isn't a self-help thing. We're going to make yourself slightly better here. This is about actually dying to self and putting on Christ. I take off me, and, 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 but I find that, you know, here, here's, here's, here's what, honestly, sometimes what happens. So when we die to ourselves, is what happens is sometimes, you know, we come back. It's like this. It's like, let me give driving examples. Great. Driving down the 401, greatest parking lot in Ontario. And as you're driving along, if it's actually moving, and you're just, you got like worship music playing, you got elevation going, and you got, you know, planet shakers, you're just worse. God seems so in there. You're just like, woo, this is awesome. I'm going to work. And, and God's right here. And then somebody comes and just cuts you right off. I mean, just takes a nose up. Some beamer just comes and just, you know, runs down the side, which is illegal just to get five cars ahead and just cuts you right in there and just cuts it. And so one moment you're like, praise God. What the? Oh, and you just pull up and say, I want to punch that guy in the face. Whoa. You roll down your window and you, you know, you share with him some gestures and some exchange dialogue. And one moment you're worshiping God and the next moment you're losing your mind. And you guys are laughing because you at least know somebody like, I know there's probably nobody here, but at least you know someone like that. And I'm amazed on how fast Jamie comes back to life. I mean, I'm just having that moment where Christ is alive and Jamie's dead. And then all of a sudden, he, that old man comes back. And I'm like, how did I go from, like, praising God to, like, wanting to rip this guy's face off? He was like, no. I'm like, yeah, actually, <laughs> a couple times <laughs> a week. <laughs> But I'm just being real here. But you know what? It says that we are to, we are to let our old self die. In, in, in Ephesians 4, verse 22. Turn there, just uh, uh, to the right a little bit. Ephesians 4, 22. It says, throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on. There's that wording again. <laughs> Put on. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You got to throw your old self away. And you have to do it. You have to, it's like, you got to take it. If this was my old party self, or this is my old, you know, uh, you know uh, chaotic self here, you got to take it and you got to throw that thing away. The old man, I throw that away. You got to let it go, you know. And sometimes we like to hold on to it because it's warm and comfy. It's like my favorite hoodie. I had this hoodie. And I love this thing. It was red. It was like fuzzy, and it started to get like holes in and stuff. And it was Gap when Gap was in, so I just you know that just aged me right there, you know. But I had this Gap hoodie, and I love this thing. And Melanie hated it, and she kept hiding it, kept finding it in. I kept putting it on because it's like your favorite. Just put on, you know, your favorite sweater jacket. Come on. And I kept putting it back, and yet it was like a wreck. And she goes, I am so sick of that thing. Every time I take a picture, it's you in that stupid red hoodie, you know? And she just couldn't edit that out. And so finally one day, she threw that thing out. And I was just like, it was like losing, you know, losing my dog. I was like, oh! I, I almost had like a memorial for, my, for that hoodie. But I mean, like the same way, we, sometimes we hold on to things, don't we? We're like, hi, just let it go. I, I won't throw it away. I'll just tuck it to the side. I'll just set it down here within reach. 
I don't want to let that habit go. I don't want to let that unforgiveness go because it feels good. That pity, it feels good. It's like a drug. It feels good. I'm justified. Yeah, I remember that, and I relive that, and I just won't throw it away. I'll just spit all over myself. I'm just going to tuck it down here within arm's reach so I can pick it up again. It says right here you're to throw away your old life. Throw away. So I want to I wanna, uh, encourage you. Actually, let me just pull it out all this time. I want to command you. Now that I can do that, I guess I've got to follow up. But I, I want to encourage you to throw something out today. Go home and throw something out. Something you've been holding on to. Something that's, you know, that it's, it's actually, uh, uh, you know, it's not sentiment. Don't throw away your grandma's, you know, like, clock or something like that. But, I mean, uh, something that you're holding on to that really has no value and that actually just, it, it just clutters up your life. Because there is something here. It says, throw away your old self. There's something about letting it go. That means I throw it away, and I'm not digging in the dumpster to get it back again. Come on, guys. No more dumpster diving. Putting on Christ is not dumpster diving for the old identity. Climbing back in to get it, and then you put on Christ again, and then you dumpster dive to go and get it back again. I wanted to dumpster dive and get my, my hoodie back, but she, she, she buried it good. So first, you've got to die to yourself. So how do we put on Christ? You've got to die to yourself. Jamie has to be thrown away. So how often, so you're looking at me and you're going like, okay, so how often do you do that? Um, Every day. Well, how often every day? Well, sometimes every hour. Sometimes every minute. As often as required. You have to choose to say, I put on Christ, not myself. That when you're lonely, you put on Christ. That when you're angry, that when you're thinking about that old business partner that ripped you off and that movie starts playing in your mind or that person that fractured that relationship that cheated on you and the movie starts playing in your mind as you take and you throw that away. You say, I put on Christ. So let's talk about point number two. Number one, you got to die to yourself. Number two, you got to replace old with new, like the hoodie. Day by day. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, taking every thought captive and teaching them to obey Christ. There's a saying, I think it was Charles Finney, it says, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can't stop them from nesting in your hair. And I like that. You're like, what does that mean? I don't know. It's just cool. Just say it and just walk away. You know, next time you go to the coffee shop, just drop that and walk away. And people are like, oh, that's, I don't know what that means. So what are they saying? What are they saying? You can't stop from every, when we talk about this in an internal way, you can't stop every thought from coming to your head. Just like when I talk about dogs and dogs and big dogs and little dogs and don't think about dogs, don't think about dogs, don't stop, don't think about dogs. Nobody. Okay, here, I command you, no one think about dogs. Every one of you are thinking of dogs. No one is thinking D-O-G right now in the letters. You're thinking little fluffy ones and, you know, and big, you know, uh, big dogs. And you can't, you know, uh, you, you see, you can't take that thought out of your mind. You can't just be like, okay, I'm just not going to think about this. I'm not going to be lustful. I'm not going to be unforgiving. I'm not going to be angry. You can't just take that out here. It says that so that we take every thought captive and teach it to obey Christ. So what I'm talking about, putting on Christ, and again, it's not an outward, it's actually the inward. It's the only way that it works. When we put on Christ, it's taking every thought captives. So you can't stop every thought from coming to your mind, but you can stop yourself from dwelling on it. So that thought comes into that unforgiveness. You know that, per- that thing you thought you let go? Shh, comes right back in. You see or something reminds you of him and her. And you go, 
steam's coming out of your ears. You're just, oh, yeah, ooh, mm, it all comes back again. And you're just reliving it. Then you can be like, nope. So how do you take it captive? How do you take that thought captive? Just like this. Freeze! On the ground! Get your hands where you can see them! That's what you say to your, I see enough cop shows. <laughs> Safety's on, don't worry. That's what you do. I mean, but in reality, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm jesting here. I'm just making fun of it. But that's what you do. When that thought comes in, you're like, freeze. You examine it with the word of God. Is this a godly thought? Is this a kingdom thought? I scrutinize it according to the standard of God's word. And if it's not, then I replace it. It's like, no, I'm not living in that anymore. I'm not living in that brokenness. I'm not living in that inferiority. When you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I remember all the things I hate about myself, my big nose. And, 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 we start, and that starts coming in. You're just like, freeze. Stop. I mean, when was the last time you took yourself out to the woodshed? It's an old saying. It's like my grandpa saying. What does that mean? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm taking myself out to the woodshed. <laughs> taking yourself out to the woodshed means you need to take yourself out and give yourself a little whooping. Sometimes we need to do that. We're like, well, that's not very culturally nice. That's not very Canadian. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes Jamie needs to take Jamie out to the woodshed and say, stop thinking that way. Stop that stinking thinking. That's the old you, and you don't live that way anymore. You don't live in that inferiority. You don't live in that anger. You don't live in that, that, that turmoil anymore. You put on Christ. So you place, replace the old with the new. And the third and most important part, it's because those are all intentional things that we need to walk out. Is number three is you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. See, you can't leave out that part. See, without the Holy Spirit working in this, it's just us trying to home make over yourself. Little bondo trying to fix up the cracks and the rust, a little plaster trying to plaster it over and just cosmetic over, a little makeover here. Still the same person inside. But when the Holy Spirit starts to work, it's from the inside out, and you allow the Holy Spirit as you walk in these things. Father, I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Then when you start feeling unloved or uncertain about the future, I thank you that my future is in your hands. Lord, I, I thank you for this. When that fear comes in, you grab hold of that fear and you, say, and you allow the Holy Spirit to start changing it to faith. Lord, I'm not going to think about you know, that doctor's call or that next medical procedure. I'm not going to think about the repercussions of what may be or whenever may be. I'm not going to dwell on fear. I'm going to trust you. That's putting on Christ. Is, that's what it means to, to put on Christ. See, when we think the same way, it's called neural pathways. We create neural pathways. And so it's like, you know, the, 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 either whether you drive by a pasture and you see the sheep or the cows, out, they always walk the same way and they create ruts. Remember, especially along a hillside, you see the little ruts and they just keep following the same way. Well, we do the same thing in our mind. You know, the person that's like, oh, look at the sunshine outside. They're like, I'd probably give you cancer. Oh, the water's so good here. I mean, this is, this is Kingsway, Kingsway water, Balmoral water. Let me just take a, hmm. I needed a drink of that. Balmoral water. And they're like, oh, wow, that'll probably, that just killed off some brain cells there. That person is always that negative. It's a neural pathway. They always see the glass half, they're always like, that'll just, you know, they're always, that's thinking that way. It's stinking thinking in the ways that we need to create new neural pathways. We need to think differently. That's what putting on Christ saying, I'm not going to think these low thoughts. I'm going to remember that code of conduct I was talking about earlier. 15, 20 minutes ago, or maybe hours if it feels like hours and I'm up here. Mark even put like a digital clock. So it was like two clocks, and I don't even know what either one of them mean. Oh, Mark, I have no idea. That, unless it starts flashing and lights go out, I just keep going. So, no, I, I, I'm actually just going to finish. But 
But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to, to transform and work in us through these things. And so the last thing is I want to I encourage you to, to create new neural pathways, to think differently so that when you start thinking differently, no, I'm going th- to think life instead of death. I'm going to think good things about other people. Even if your experience have, haven't been that way, you know, say, well, I've had bad experiences. I'm going to think life. And, you know, you may have had bad relationships or bad marriage, but you just can't write it off. Be like, wow, pfft. I mean, I've been food poisoned twice by McDonald's, and I still go back. Not, all, not often, but, you know. So we need to get, you need to make that intention to put on Christ and walk in a new way. And the last verse I want to share with you, and this is so good, Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. And with this, I'm going to wrap up, and I'm going to call the worship team up. And I, I'm just going to let this just simmer. It's just a crockpot kind of thing. Just let this simmer inside of you. Philippians 4. Verses 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. See, even Paul is trying to wrap up, and he goes on for like chapters after this. So, <laughs> so that's just to give you encouragement so you don't pack your purse and start leaving. So now, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is what it means to put on Christ. Put on Christ is to say, I'm going to fix my thoughts on these things. I'm not promising you that this is going to make your life be a rose garden. I'm not saying if you put on Christ, then everything will be okay in your life. I can't promise that. That would be crazy. I can't promise the outcome. There's no magic wand you know what? When I need it, I hold on to that. When you get that call from the doctor, when you get that, that life change, I mean, when we got that call from Tracy and Ronnie about Eden, I mean, just something shattered in my heart. I was just like, no. But you know what? What do we react? What do you do? And I told Tracy this. We were texting last night after last night's service. I said, when I went in and saw you at the hospital, you and Ronnie, we prayed around the bed the first time there. I said, you know what I saw? You were the inspiration for this message. I saw two people desperately holding on to Christ. Like the woman who came to Jesus with the issue of blood says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to hold on to that until my life changes. Because this is the only hope I've got. I've been to every doctor. I've been to this. and I tried this and this. The only hope I've got is Jesus Christ. And she held on until she received what she had asked for from Christ. I saw two people holding on simply and desperately to Jesus Christ. And that inspired me. I left that, and that that picture is still in my mind right now, picturing them holding on to Christ. Because it's not us. It's not the uniform that that, that doesn't make us. It's Christ's ability. There's no pride to be found in this. There's no pride to be found in putting on Christ because we know it's not us. We know that our abilities are, are not enough. We know that our talents and our character and our charisma is not enough. We know that we desperately hold on to Christ because without him, we're nothing. I want to encourage you, put on Christ today. Let's stand to our feet. Can I invite Chris and the worship team to come up? And we're going to pray before we go, and I'm going to ask you to do that. <laughs> So, again, here's our thought in closing. 
Would you be willing to put on Christ? Would you be willing to walk this out? Because again, it's going to, that's the, the, the amazing uniqueness of our personality and our walk with God. It's going to look different from you than it, does, than it does for me and for others here. That's going to, it's going to be different. But you know what? It's the, the, but in it, you know, as it begins with us taking that step. Putting on Christ is all about one thing. Trust. It's all about one thing. It's about trust. When I put on Christ, it's about deciding and saying that I trust in Christ, not in me. Because you know what? It's that you, you are not all of your own answers. Is we need to trust in him. And so I want to encourage you to today, before we sing this closing song, and for, us, for you to walk this out. This isn't just sort of something happens here and then you take I, I want you to think about this. I want you to study it yourself and see what this means. But I want us to put on Christ right now. So in your mind, in the situation that's going on in your life right now, every one of us have things going on. Come on, we all live in life. I don't know what's going on in your world, and you don't know entirely what's going on in my world, but I know this. Wrong Christ. Wrong Christ. You walk that out with that, what that means. Step up to that code of honor. Step up to that code of conduct, that, that life that he wants us to live. That's why he says in John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and life to the max, or life to the full. Life to the full is putting on Christ. Life to the full is walking in that uniform standard of the life he's talking about. Do you want that? I want that. I don't know about you guys, but I want that. I don't care about the 10-year, 5-year plan anymore. <laughs> you know, the strategy, and speaking to myself in the mirror, and you're going you know, to plan this, and you're going to be I don't care about any of that. I care about right here, right now. I don't want that. I want Christ to live and Jamie to die. I want him to live big inside of each and every one of us. Can we put on Christ today? In that situation that you're, that you're thinking of right now or the one that you're walking through, I want to encourage you, put on Christ. When you feel afraid, put on Christ. When you feel lonely, put on Christ. When you feel overwhelmed by life and situation or finances or doctors or whatever, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you as your children. And Lord, nothing we can do to earn this privilege. We don't earn the right to put on you. It's not an honor bestowed by years of service or training or Sunday school classes or small group that, God, you've bestowed this on us already right now. You stand at the door of our heart knocking that we would put on Christ. So, Father, we do this right now this morning. We take the step, the situation that are in our lives right now, and we put on Christ. In response to those, we put on Christ. To the things that we, the unanswerable questions in our life, the fear of the future, or the or present situations, or fractured relationships. Father, we put on Christ right now, and we walk as you have called us to walk. That even as Jesus taught us as he lived and walked in this life, not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we pray for this right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we do this. We take this act and this step, you know, of obedience right now. Help us to walk this. I just pray that each and every one of us would walk this out and and understand fully what this means and dig into it and own it ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. You're amazing. We love you. Amen.